ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. <sighs> Greetings, listeners. I come to you today from Maryland. After four amazing, absolutely amazing days in New York, I am back home in Maryland with my parents, getting ready to set sail or board a plane for the final leg of my odyssey. I'm very, very excited. I'm also very, very tired. I told you the Maryland leg of my trip was supposed to be my relaxation, but I was trying to keep up with my retired parents and their very active social schedule, which wore me out. And then once I got to New York, I hit the ground running. If you've been following the Odyssey on social media, I've updated almost play by play, left a few things out. I had such an amazing time over those four days that I called my mother at midnight on Saturday, I guess Sunday, and was like, I'm bringing my talents back to the East Coast. I'm moving back to New York. To which my mother was like, what? I halfway meant it. I'll probably move back to New York at some point, but I'm not doing it anytime soon. But yeah, it was one of those nights. I am... Every day in New York, at least for this weekend, it wasn't that way when I was living there, but it was a lot of those days. But every day that I had in New York, I felt like I was living at a level 10. And that's the way that I like to live. I understand it's not sustainable on an everyday basis. Like sometimes you have to buckle down and do work and do things that you don't want to. And sometimes they're just boring days. But like I never hit a level 10 when I'm in LA. And I really want to live at a 10 or at least close to it. I want to have 10 days. But in LA, I've never had that. And honestly, ever since I've been on the Odyssey, every single day has been a 10. Even days when it rained on the trip or my flight was massively delayed or or whatever. Things that life just flows at you. Like I always felt the day always had some sort of major 10 moment. And I was like, how do I get that into my regular life? And it's not just because I'm on vacation. When I lived in New York, I definitely had 10 days on a semi-regular basis. And even living in D.C., 10 days, they were a little more far out than New York, but I would have 10 days where I was like, yes, I am operating at my highest capacity for living. I got to figure out how to get 10 level days in LA, even if they don't occur as close together as the way they do in New York or even DC. I need some 10s. I really do. I forgot what it was like to live at that level. It feels amazing. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I still haven't been paying attention to the news. I haven't turned a TV screen on in a very long time. Not since I left. Whoa. Not since before I left LA. I haven't really turned on the news. I get most of my news through social media anyway, which is not a thing that I think intelligent people do, but it's it's what I do right now. Oops. What have I been reading about? I read about um, the baby who, before all these shenanigans... The only thing I really knew about him was the time people on social media thought he had a really large penis, but then it turned out to be someone else's penis. Do you remember that? Whoever's penis it was, was massively impressive, but the baby did come out and say that it was not his penis. And then I knew of him from the BET Awards. He had a video when the world was closed and everything was virtual, but he shot this video I want to say with like a police officer's foot on his neck or his head, probably his neck. I thought it was a good video. 
I think we talked about that on here. One of my friends was like, that was disrespectful as shit. It was right after the George Floyd murder. And my friend was like, the lyrics don't match. He's just doing it for sensationalism because everybody's talking about George Floyd. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what art is sometimes. But he thought it was really offensive. I thought it was dope. I actually thought he was like a nice looking guy. He's a little guy, hence the baby. But I thought he was like, you know, a nice looking guy. I thought he had beautiful teeth. Like, you know, I can't name a song of his, but I know there was one that I liked. But he shitted on any goodwill that most people had for him. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. I'm not going to go into detail with it, but he got on the stage at Rolling Loud and just made some bizarre comments. Like he wanted people who didn't have HIV or AIDS to like put their phones in the air, which like, what? He said a bunch of phobic shit to the LGBTQ community, then saying stupid shit about HIV AIDS. As a result of his commentary, um, Lollapalooza, which is that huge music festival in Chicago, the pictures have been circulating everywhere. Meg Thee Stallion performed and there's a shot of the crowd, which... It's so many people. Oh my God. Like, I don't remember the numbers. Was it like 70,000, 80,000, if not more? But a lot of people went to Lollapalooza and the baby was scheduled to perform. Lollapalooza promptly canceled him. Um, a couple other shows canceled him as well. He was supposed to be doing something at the Governor's Ball in New York and they canceled him. And he was also supposed to be doing something in Las Vegas and they canceled his performance too. There was another performance, I want to say in the UK, they canceled him as well. So earlier today, he released a statement apologizing for um, for his comments at Rolling Loud, which he needed to do. Um, wait, where's the full statement? Can I, did I take a picture of it? Give me a second. Um, but it was bullshit. It was clearly written by a publicist. Which, great, your publicist should do most of your writing when you're in the middle of a scandal. That's probably best. But, like, it wasn't in his voice at all. He's clearly just trying to save his ass. Here we go. This is in the New York Times. He said, social media moves so fast that people want to demolish you before you even have an opportunity to grow, educate, and learn from your mistakes. As a man who has had to make his own way from very difficult circumstances, having people I know publicly working against me knowing that what I needed was education on these topics and guidance has been challenging. You've needed education on guidance on how not to say stupid shit about AIDS and HIV in the year of our Lord 2021. He's 29. You don't know no better than that. You needed someone to educate and inform you again in the year of our Lord 2021 about how not to make homophobic remarks. Like, are you serious? Like, you haven't seen a plethora of people go down in flames for saying ignorant shit about the LGBTQIA community? You really needed to be further educated and informed not to say dumb shit about them? Really? Tons of other people have managed not to. Okay. You knew. You thought the shit was cute. So you said it. And you didn't expect, for whatever bizarre reason, for it to be this level of backlash. I mean, I guess you thought it was going to be like, oh, I don't know, how people talk about black women. People say all sorts of crazy-ish about black women. And it's part of their marketing plan. Because they know if they say it, there's going to be an outrage black women are going to write about. And every single article is going to say XYZ rapper who has a new album who was performing XYZ song on stage at XYZ. It's going to end up as roundabout promo. 
And then a lot of men, you know, they bond over their hatred of black women. So you were going to get more interest in your music, possibly. LGBTQIA folk, they don't play that shit. And I'm glad they don't. I also wish that other communities, black folk included, black women specifically, because I have skin in that game too. I wish folks would cancel as quickly and go as hard when people say crazy-ish about us. I saw this commentary floating around and I want to say it was from, you know what, let me not guess, DJ Academics. Actually, I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'll just read it to you. He said, quote, it's just weird how festivals are putting out these elaborate statements about how much they care about humanity and because of that, can't have the baby on the show for what he said. Yet 90% of the artists they book, music is about drugs and murder. And that's totally fine for them. It's a point. These companies got to choose whether they are prioritizing the art or the morality. Because they all seem like hypocrites when they try to get on a high horse canceling artists. Hip-hop is a genre filled with imperfect individuals telling stories. Why even fuck with it if you want saints? I actually agree with him to a degree. These companies having so much concern about his statements because they affected LGBTQ folks, but we're fine putting him on the lineup when without listening to a bunch of his music, I'm sure he dropped a million N-bombs and calls women bitches or worse. I'm sure of it because that's what so much of hip hop is today. And if he was one of the artists that don't, that would be part of the marketing plan and it would be heavily marketed towards women. His music is not. I'm going to go check it out before this podcast airs just to double check. Because I like to know that I'm right when I make statements like that. I want a hunch. I got a strong hunch that I'm correct. Nobody cared about that. And to be clear, I'm not saying at all don't give a fuck about homophobia. What I'm saying is give as much of a fuck about sexism and racism with these other artists as you do to homophobia. Let the way that we react to homophobia where there's mass outrage and where people get canceled very quickly and when brands and festivals distance themselves from people over homophobia... Let them treat sexism and racism in the very same way. That's what I would like to see. By all means, like you want to be a sexist, a racist, a homophobe, whatever. I mean, that's your choice to be it. But the idea that you can do two of the three and it's a celebrated art form and then you cross the line to the other and again, sudden morality happens. I get what DJ Academics is saying. I don't like the way he said it because what he's saying is you let everything else fly. So let this fly too. No, you don't let this fly you shouldn't let everything else fly either. I think it's fascinating that he's getting canceled in this way. I haven't seen anything like this since like, like Chrisette Michelle. And I'm actually fascinated that it's happening to him. Black men usually get away with this a lot more. I'm a guess that behind the scenes, he also might be an ass to work with. Black men usually don't get canceled as quickly over homophobia. But I'm glad to see it. I mean, he did this shit to himself. I don't, I don't know what he wants. There was no reason for him to get on stage and say that dumb shit. So, womp. In good black news this week, Simone Biles is returning to competition. She is going to, I think it's tomorrow, she's going to compete in the balance beam final at the Tokyo Olympics. I trust, I hope, I I sincerely hope that she feels well enough to perform. Because last we heard from her, she was like, my mind ain't right. And her mind and body were not in sync. And there was a case of, I think what she was calling the twisties. I was reading about her the other day and it was saying that sometimes as a gymnast, you lose sense of, of up and down. Your body and mind just aren't connecting and it's very dangerous. Apparently that's what was happening with her and she didn't feel confident in performing. And she was also really clear, like I am having some mental health issues. 
she got a lot of support. She did say that she felt the love from, from the audience and the fans. So good, good for her. That's what we wanted. But there was also significant backlash. And I hope that the people who had much shit very loudly to say about her decision to back out of the Olympics, I hope that that did not affect her decision to return. I want her to be in her best mental health. I want her to be in her best physical health. If she is not at her her best, then I, I would hope that she would sit it out. And if she feels great and she's ready to compete, then I'm all here for her. I'm just worried about her. That's all. And like genuine concern. You know, not to say that there's a timeline on cleaning up mental health situations, but you know, I would feel if something's like severe enough that you have to pull out of the Olympics, no less, because you're not feeling up to par because you're, you know, really, you know, in some shit. Um, but it would take more than a week to clear up. So I hope that it's not the pressure that, that's returning. I hope that she's just feeling like she's in a good space and she's ready to compete again. So I will be rooting for her. God willing, I will be watching. I may be on a plane when she's competing. I have to go look and see what time she comes on. But I definitely want to support her. I like Simone Biles. I think I saw that Lizzo is coming out with a new album. She posted on Instagram. She appears to be in Versace, dripping in gold and diamonds, looking beautiful as ever. Lizzo is a gorgeous girl. I'm not really a fan of all the ass shaking, but, you know, that's me. And just and just to be clear, it's not because it's big ass shaking. When Meg was shaking her ass in her latest video, I was like, you know, this is a lot for me. I'm not telling you to do anything different. I'm not telling you to stop shaking your ass. I'm just saying, you know, I'm going to look away while you shake your ass. You, you do you. This is just not my thing. I'll look away. I'll come back and you put just a bit more clothing on. But it says new era, bitch. <laughs> Lizzo. Rumors. 813. So I think we're getting a new album or is that a new single? I don't know. Whatever it is, I'll be here for it. I like Lizzo's crazy twerking, flute playing, mini octave hitting, good singing self. I think sometimes folks forget Lizzo can sing. She has an amazing voice. People get lost in the ass shaking and the half nakedness, but the girl can sing. She's genuinely talented. She's just wild. Just a little wild. She's young. I don't say she's like 30-something. She's fine. Carry on. What else is on my list of things? Oh, did you see this, um, this trailer for House of Gucci? I was sitting at dinner with Bevy up in Harlem. My friend Arlene was in Harlem, so she stopped by. And she asked me, like, it just out of the blue. She was like, did you see the trailer for House of Gucci? And then everybody at the table was like, oh, my God, the trailer for House of Gucci. And I was like, um, what, what is House of Gucci? And they were like, you haven't seen House of Gucci? No, because I just asked, what is House of Gucci, y'all? It's a film. I believe it's going to be in theaters. It's starring Lady Gaga. It's a... Family drama, murder, mystery. And it's very borderline camp, but with amazing clothes because Gucci. Apparently the Gucci family is upset about it because they're like, yo, you're portraying us in a terrible light. I don't know if there's a lawsuit or yet, I should say. But yeah, it looks amazing. But I wasn't like, you know, falling on the floor, rolling around about it. Like my friends were like, oh my God, house of Gucci. And I was like, I mean, get a grip. It, It looks good. But it's not like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of it, like something to compare it to, which I was like, oh my God, this is the most exciting thing that I've ever seen. I can't wait. It's not like Black Panther 2. It's not that. It's just, you know, it looks, it looks, it looks good. 
but not, oh my God, House of Gucci. Although I tried to type it in like House of in, in Google and Gucci trailer is the first thing that comes up. Apparently a lot of people are like standing for this trailer. Maybe because it's Gaga who looks unrecognizable. It's actually a really good actress. What did I see her in? The thing with Bradley Cooper and everybody thought they were together. Was it Bradley Cooper? I get my white people confused. Sometimes, I'm not trying to be racist. Sometimes they really do look alike though. And I'm not saying all white people look alike. I'm saying Hollywood gravitates to a certain type of white look. And it ends up with a lot of people that look really similar, almost indistinguishable from one another. That's what I'm saying. House of Gucci. That's really all I have on my list. I'm sure there's other things occurring, but nothing's breaking through right now. But nothing's breaking through right now. And honestly, I'm not really looking for it. I had started earlier today looking at work stuff and I got really frustrated and I was like, you know what? No, the Odyssey is not over. I'm not going back into work mode. I have a couple really big projects that are due shortly after I get back to LA. And I was like, nope, I'm not working on them now. I'm not thinking about it now. Like I've spent two years working my ass off trying to like rebuild my life and being immersed in work almost 24 seven. I needed a goddamn break. Like I was stressed out. And when I get back, there's plenty of work waiting for me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not introducing the horror show that is the news into my life. I'm not dealing with work stuff. I mean, I know the podcast technically is work. It's a job. It pays well. Um, but it doesn't feel like work. This is actually fun. Like I started doing the podcast for free and did it for free for many months before I started picking up sponsors. The podcast is a labor of love. I was like, do I really want to sort through like all the crazy with like rent moratoriums? I did see something about that. There's no federal rent moratorium. All these evictions are about to happen, which I'm like, y'all really going to evict people when the pandemic is revving up again? And it's a matter of months, if not weeks, before we go into lockdown again. Really? Eviction is how you want to move? It's not a good idea. I was about to say, I should be a politician. Like, I have more sense than several of them. Not all. Several. But I don't want the headaches. Nor the investigation into my private life, because Jesus Christ. I mentioned going on a date when I was in Brooklyn. Folks have been really trying to figure out, like, who I went on a date with. And I'm like, it's not that serious, y'all. It was a date. I've been on several. It it wasn't an engagement. It was just a date, y'all. Calm down. It's all right. I promise you. People, Is there going to be a second date? Maybe. Eventually. He lives in Brooklyn. I live in LA. And I'm about to go back to the West Coast tomorrow. Not LA, but I'm headed West. And I'm also not sitting my ass down. One of my friends called and was like, girl, what you doing on these dates? Let's go to Napa. (laughs) What? Yeah, let's go to Napa. Then I was like, great, let's go to Napa. And she was like, yeah, it's with this sponsor. And I was like, ooh, Napa for free. Even better. Trips are great. Free trips, better. And just for clarity, because people always think the worst. When I say sponsor, I mean corporate sponsor, not like a sugar daddy. I'm a little long in the tooth to be a sugar baby. I also have the disposition. I also earn too much to put up with somebody's bullshit for money. I might not be balling, but the bills are paid. So that's on the horizon. And then another friend was like, hey, you want to go to Cabo? (laughs) And I was like, well, if I'm in LA, Cabo is like an hour and a half. And she was like, yeah, I've got this timeshare. And if I don't use it, then I lose it. So I was thinking Cabo and I was like, sure. Free housing? I can find a ticket to Cabo, sis. I'm there. You just give me the dates. Oh, then the Birkin. Angela Benton. We call her Birkin because if you know who Angela Benton is, Google her. 
you understand why we call her Birkin. But she hit me today. She was like, I was following the Odyssey. And I was like, you know what? We need another vacation. And I was like, ma'am, I'm on vacation. But yes, I agree with you. We need another vacation. And so she was like, what about Capri? You think Capri? She was like, I just need to finish some work first. And I was like, yo, let me actually do some work first. I was like, let me alley-oop my my 2022 situation because it's already August and I'm a little behind schedule because I ain't been doing shit on this Odyssey. And I was like, then we can discuss Capri. I have Capri money. Did I tell y'all what we're doing in 2022? There's two big things. Oh, never mind. I'll tell you in advance so you can prepare because you'll be asked to participate. I think you'll like it. I'm way overdue for it. I've talked about it forever. I think I talked about it, but now I can't remember if I have. And if I haven't, I don't want to jinx it. And if I did, I don't want to talk about it again. Okay, we'll save it until there's an official announcement. How about that? Okay. We have a special treat this week. Remember I told you a while ago, my dad... I'm sorry, my friend is texting me right now about her outfit for our next location. One of my friends is meeting me. And she was like, I'm wearing all black leather. I was like, girl, it's going to be 100 degrees. She's like, all black leather. I think I'm wearing pink ruffles because that's what I have in my suitcase. I'm not going shopping between now and our big event. That's not the point. The point is, I told you that my dad had his 80th birthday and I asked him if he would come back to Ratchet and Respectable. And he said that he would. I said, what do you want to talk about? I think I told you this. He was like, whatever you want to talk about. And I was like, I want to talk about what you want to talk about. And he was like, this conversation isn't going anywhere. So I was supposed to ask you guys to send questions from my dad. I forgot to do that because I was gallivanting in New York. There was lots of champagne and mezcal. Speaking of mezcal, I mixed mezcal and sorrel when I was in New York. I was at this African Chop House event. If you've been following the Odyssey on social media, it's the one my friend told me to come to. It'll be African men of means there. And I was like, I'm there. I get to the event. They have ginger margaritas, which it was amazing, but it was just strong. Like he gave me a lot of tequila and a lot of ginger. Ginger is like intense. So we cut it with sorrel. Genius, genius. Tequila and sorrel is an amazing blend of culture. This is how culture is meant to come together. Mezcal and sorrel. Twist the lime over ice. Amazing. Amazing. That's not the point. The point is, I drank too much, did too much, and forgot to post the questions from my dad. But my friend has this really great site. He used to do it. I don't think he does it anymore. But this is my way of getting him to revive it. He used to have this... um this Instagram series. It was a page called Black Sons, B-L-K-S-U-N-S. It was really good. He would interview black men and ask them a series of questions about their lives. And I got put onto it when Bevy Smith, her dad, he did it. And it's a really good series. And he was in his 90s when he did it, maybe like 91, 92 93 even. It was a while ago. He's since passed when he rests in peace. But his answers were so amazing. And I showed it to my dad at the time. And I was like, I love this. I want you to do it. Um, and the gentleman behind it, he has Southern roots. I think there's Florida. I think there's Texas. But there's also a little Mississippi thrown in there. So when I mentioned to my dad, I was like, oh, you know, my friend, you know, he has Jackson roots. He was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Because he was on the fence before. When he heard there was a man from Mississippi involved, he was really all in. So my friend doesn't do Black Sons anymore, which is really disappointing. 
because it was a really amazing series. But I found the page on Instagram. It's still active. So I asked my dad the questions that the interviewees from Black Sons used to answer. So give me a second. I'm going to go set this whole situation up in the kitchen. Just keep in mind, my parents, the house is loud. The TV is loud. Where we're setting up is by the laundry room. I was like, mom, can you stop the dryer too? And she just looked at me like I was crazy. So you may hear the dryer in the background. You may hear, we have like one of those water container things. Sometimes it makes weird noise. You may hear that as well. You may hear the loud TV from the living room because the Olympics is on and my mom, you know, that's like the best TV in the house. My mom was watching the Olympics and I'm just going to leave it at that. So you may hear the Olympics in the background. I'm just letting you know in advance, but hold on. I'm going to go get dad. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Can you say testing, testing, one, two, three, dad? Testing, testing, three, one, two. <laughs> dad, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. This is in celebration of your 80th birthday. My 80th birthday? Your 80th birthday. You just turned 80, dad. Do you remember? I do remember. <laughs> what do you remember about your birthday party? Well, we had a good time. What was the best part of your birthday party? My birthday party? Yeah. All of the people that came and showed their respect and it was just enjoyable okay it was enjoyable to see you be back together again it's been a while I haven't seen it you it's been a while yeah okay I'm gonna launch into the questions where are you from I'm from Collins Mississippi what stands out about Collins that's a good question you're being so formal you're not this formal why are you so formal well, right now Collins, Mississippi. I don't know, just growing up there. In fact, I really didn't know anything else outside of Collins. Do you ever miss it? Miss Collins? Yeah. Not really. I've been gone so long. Mm. Yeah, but I have a lot of thoughts about it. When you think about Collins, what's the first thing that pops in your head? I think about my family, my mom, my dad, my aunts, uncles, all the... Good folks that I grew up with had a lot of support, a lot of support from the community. Yes. You were just down there to see your lake. I was down to see my lake. I was down to visit my sister. And I visited uh, some other friends from school. Don't have too many high school friends left because they're all gone. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, most of them are. In fact, I had two to leave last year from the... uh, from the virus. They're two of my really good friends. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is your occupation? What was your occupation? Well, I'm a retired lobbyist, but I had a lot of occupations before I retired. What else did you do? Well, I worked as a DJ, <laughs> which I enjoyed. That's probably the best job I ever had. I think that's part of the reason I'm a podcaster is because you were a DJ. Yeah, it didn't pay that much, well, but, I, but I had a lot of fun. I'm sure. Yep. You were a DJ during the Motown era in Detroit. I was a DJ during the Motown era. and oh. met a lot of the Motown people. It was enjoyable. Who was your favorite Motown but, person? That's a good question. So I met a lot of them. And... I got I to gotta know quite a few of them. Maybe meeting Tammy Terrell mm. and the way that I met Tammy Terrell. How did you meet Tammy Terrell? 
I was leaving work one day and I decided to stop in the 20 grand. I knew this story was going to involve the 20 grand. Oh my yeah. God. And they had a bowling alley in the 20 grand. They had a bowling alley in the club? In the 20 grand. It was in the basement of the 20 grand. Okay. And I came in and I sat at the bar and there were two ladies that were sitting further down the bar. And they asked me if I was afraid. Jumped up and said, oh, no, indeed not. So I ran down, and they bought me a drink. I didn't know who I was talking to. And finally it came up that she was Tammy Terrell. Well, I didn't act excited, but I was really excited. And, you know, that was that was pretty cool. What was she like? With Tammy? Yeah. Oh, she was a beautiful lady. Had uh, just a lot of personality. And just a really good person. What I know about Tammy Terrell is the duets with Marvin Gaye, yeah? Yeah. And then she died young, yeah? Yeah. Brain aneurysm, something, stroke, something. something. Or was it more violent than that? Well, it was something like that. Okay, yeah, that's a thought. You knew Marvin Gaye, too. I've met Marvin Gaye, yes. <laughs> you played golf with Marvin Gaye, didn't you? I did. Why are you being so modest right now? <laughs> well, <laughs> Fine. He doesn't like to talk about his, like, friends and life, which makes this a weird interview. Fine, we're moving along. Um, what is your passion in life? Keep living. <laughs> <laughs> You're passionate about living. <laughs> you know. What do you fear? Right now, I have no fears. No? No. Is that because you're 80? Mm, yeah. What did you fear? Not making 80. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> if we were on family food, I'd be clapping right now. Good answer. What is courage? I don't know. When have you ever felt courageous? All my life. What makes you say that? Well, I always wanted to exceed. Wanted to do well. Wanted to uh, have a family that's doing well. Have a young lady like you that's doing well. <laughs> Flattering the host will get you everywhere. <laughs> I want you to tell me of a time when you were like scared to do something and you did it anyway. Because I feel like that's kind of what courage is. It's not the absence of fear. It's like the presence of it, but you push forward. I guess when I made the decision that I was going to leave the federal government and go into private industry. Why was that scary? Well, it wasn't really scary. It was something that I knew I wanted to do. I wasn't pleased with what I was doing at that time. I had advanced Probably as high as I was going to advance, maybe another, you know, another promotion. But I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And once I made the decision and I got the opportunity, I, uh, I left. And we all moved from Washington area to Houston, Texas. Oh, that was your first non-federal job? Other than when I was in the military. Oh. Will you talk about that? You've told me about that. About what? Um, I can edit this out if you want. Um, but when you got to Houston and you lost your job, or you got laid off. Yeah, that was, that was tough times. 
because, you know, we bought a house, had a couple of cars. We had you in private school and no jobs in Washington, I mean in Houston. And I knew I needed to get back to Washington. And it was really, really tough and it took me a long time. It took me almost a year to get back, but we made it. And once we got back, you know, things started to really fall in place and started to roll and we made it work. What did you tell yourself to get through that time? Because like as someone who, you know, life is kind of falling apart and you're just not sure, like you, you're hoping for the best, but you're not sure it's coming. So what did you tell yourself to get through that? Well, that was the time that I had to look in the mirror and say, brother, you got to make it happen. That's it? You got to make it happen. That's what the guy that I was working with before, uh, before I got fired. He said, there's one out there for you. You just got to go find it. And it took a long time to find it. But the one thing that happened was that they, uh, after being laid off, they gave me a consulting contract for uh, a year. And it was a decent consulting contract, but it wasn't to do any work, really. It was for me to find a job and, you know, to get out of Houston and go where I needed to go and do what I needed to do in order to support you all, meaning your family. Was it really that bad if you were still getting a check? Yeah, but I wanted to know, you know, when I was going to get the next one. Mm. It was gonna, when it was going to really be real. And I came back to Washington and thinking, because I knew if I got back to Washington, things would click. You'd figure it out. Oh, yeah. Because I had the contacts. That's kind of how I feel about New York. Yeah. You're not going to comment on that. Okay. Um, what is freedom to you? It's being able to maneuver and do some of the things that you really want to do. Because I don't think there's ever opportunity in life that you can do everything that you want to do in life. Because you usually have goals, and your goals subject to change from time to time and sometimes from day to day depending on the situation what is your weakness i was always a poor writer really yep i wouldn't have thought that yep and when i was working i always kept good writers around me i always knew good writers i always when i had people working under me i always kept a good writer close to me you had a column with like the National Black Newspapers, like a syndicated column. Yep, but that's when I was working with the uh, pharmaceutical industry, and we went through the uh, communications department <laughs> in order to get my column together. But I had a lot of influence in what was in my column, and I made sure that it was what I wanted to say and everything. And it's not that I'm a bad writer. I'm just a... Not your strength. It's not my strength, no. What is your strength? Putting the right people at the table. Mm. You're a connector. A connector, but putting the right people at the table at the right time, seating the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. at the table, because mm -hmm. it's very important. It is. Yep. I just realized the other day I have that trait. Like someone called me about something totally unrelated. They wanted to know if there was, um, if I knew a junior high school principal 
at a black black school in South LA. And I was like, I know a high school principal and she's black. She gotta know, and she's from LA. So she gotta know somebody. And so I hit her up and she was like, yeah, my soror is over this school. What do you need? And like, there's synergy. And this school is about to get like a whole lot of money. But yes, I have that trait. Yeah. But my goal was to meet as many people as I could meet and to help a lot of people. And I have helped a lot of people, but I've had help from a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. What is your pet peeve? Bullshit. <laughs> Dad. What, what, what defines bullshit? <laughs> what is your definition of bullshit that, that is your pet peeve? I don't think we'd better put that on there. What age do you feel? Today? Mm-hmm. I think I feel uh, 80 plus one. Oh, today's not a good day? Well, I just feel 80 plus one. Just 80 plus one. Okay. <laughs> it could be one day, <laughs> one year. <laughs> 80 plus one. Yeah. What is one regret that you have? I guess I, could, I guess I could use the term in the song my way. Regrets, I have a few, but really f- too few to mention. You're obsessed with that song, just so you know. No, I like the song because it says a lot of things that relates to me. Like what? I kind of did life my way. I maneuvered around, and it's like when I went to school, Jackson State was a teacher's college when I went there. And I got a degree in elementary education. But it was a long time after I started. But I knew I didn't, you know, I didn't want to teach. But I knew I wanted to be in broadcasting. I knew I would be on some uh, form of communications. But at that time, you know, I'd never been in a radio station. I'd never been around a newspaper. But I knew it was something important. But I did know that at some point, I would be in Washington, D.C. Why D.C.? What was D.C. representing to you? I don't know. My dad, we got the papers every day. We got the Jackson Advocate, which was a black paper out of Jackson. And we got the Clear and Legend, which was weekly, a daily paper. And he would read it from front to back. And after my dad got his neck broke, he uh, would have me to read it to him. And a lot of the stories that we'd read about would be Washington. A lot of the things that would be, uh, that would make sense as to what's going on and why it's gonna happen and when it's gonna happen was in Washington. And that was intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. And I was one happy camper when I made it to Washington. And I made it to Washington when I was working for the Census Bureau in uh, Detroit. First time they sent me to Washington, I was happy. I knew eventually I would be here. And I've been here over 40 years and I've really enjoyed it. It has been 40 some odd years. Oh yeah. What was the last thing that made you cry? Hmm. There were several things. I guess like the George Floyd situation. Mm. I shed some tears behind that because it was just, it was bad, it was sad, it was nothing positive about that. There are a lot of other things that, that's in the news, but the one thing that I can, you know, that I can remember is my mom died. 
That was the first time I ever saw you cry. Yeah. And I still think about that. But you know, it was different when my dad died. I was much younger, but it was, it was a lot longer. Both were very influential in my life. But I guess there's something about the mom that kind of really, really stuck. Not that I'm minimizing my, uh, my father's death. Yeah. Yeah. But moms are moms. Moms are moms. Moms are moms. Yeah. What was the last thing to make you laugh? Oh, some of the things that you say on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tickled by that. A lot of people listen to this podcast. I know. Like when I was out and about, like in New York, like the same way people used to come up to me about the blog, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. Now they come up about the podcast, and it's a different way than with either one of the books or even with the movie, but the podcast, like, resonates in a different way. Yeah, because I have people that call me when it's really late, ask me, what's wrong with the podcast? I go, hey, oh, God. I don't know. We have, I have a cousin, distant cousin, down in uh, Memphis. She called me, is something wrong with Demetria? I'm sitting on the porch waiting to listen to the podcast. Look, it's been late as hell. It's been going up, like, Friday night. Like, as of late, because of the Odyssey. Oh, the beeping noise is the dryer. Let me get that. Let's see, where were we? Uh, what was the last time you were afraid? I don't know. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, when I was in, uh, in driving from Jackson, Mississippi, down to Collins, it was raining so hard I couldn't see, and a big truck passed by me and hit water all over my car. Oh, dear. <laughs> But I don't think that's the kind of a prayer that you wanted. No, it all counts. It all counts. <laughs> what makes you happy? Seeing you happy. Seeing my family happy. Seeing my friends happy. Seeing people happy. What makes you sad? Waking up in the morning with another pain that I didn't have before I went to sleep. Uh, is that 80? What do you always say about 80? Like, it's good to grow old, but it's inconvenient? Oh, that's what your grandma used to say. Getting old is a privilege, but it sure is an inconvenience. Mm. Yeah, and I'm beginning to really understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of her That was one of her sayings. She had lots of sayings. Yeah, but that was one I remember. <laughs> and now I can really relate to it. What's most important in life? Health. Having your health. So without your health, you, you know, you don't have a lot going for you. Thoughts of life. Thoughts of life? Yeah, that's the question. Thoughts of life. I don't know. Thoughts of life, I guess, would be your dreams, your hopes, and your wishes. Thoughts of death. Where do you go? That's an amazing answer. I thought you were going to say something about like your funeral plans, which, by the way, bothers me. I mean, I know you had to do it and you had to share it with me. Yeah. Yeah. But now I can't listen to my way anymore. Why? Because I told you that the other day when they played it at um, Johnny's birthday party. But like, I can't hear the song anymore without thinking of your funeral arrangements. Every time I hear the song, I think about it. Well, I'm not any different than my mom did. My mama, she planned hers. It was really good. I mean, we didn't have to 
do a lot. I think it's very important. No, I think it's important. I know yeah. why you did it. I know it's necessary. But like when she mm. gave you her plans, like that didn't like freak you out? No. It was basically what she wanted me to do. And I followed it, you know, as, as closely as I could. Because the one thing that she did say that she didn't want to serve is more than one hour. It was more than one hour was too, too long. If the preacher was preaching, look at your clock, get up and stop him and say, let's go. What if I don't follow your plans? Are you going to come back and haunt me? No. <laughs> I don't know where I'll be. It's like, I don't know where I'll be. <laughs> um, but we, since we're on that subject, though, yes, there's one thing that people and your listeners all need to take a serious thought about, and that's doing a will. Mm. I don't care what you have or what you don't have, you just need to put it, you need to put it in writing. And most people don't do it and there's just so many confusions and just that could be eliminated if you had that. Okay. And I've mentioned that to you and I've mentioned that to somebody else that we know that's very close to us. Oh my God, are you throwing subliminal shots at mommy on my podcast? Not at all. Okay, just checking. <laughs> just checking. Just checking. What are you proud of? My family. All of my family. My nieces. My nephews. Their accomplishments. Yes, they all, you know... Doing good, sufficient, and I'm proud of my accomplishments. What's your biggest accomplishment? That's a good question. Cause I have a lot, but. I guess the one, the recent one, was when I got the uh, Congressional Black Caucus Phoenix Award last year. To me, that was that was big. That was big. Yeah, because it came from the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, and I was told that I got all the votes. Mm. And that was big. That's big. Yeah. They all didn't know me, but the people that, you know, that helped to get it started and everything, they did a good job. I want to shout out the person behind it, but I know you're not going to do that because you don't name drop. No. I know. That's why I didn't. What are you ashamed of? I don't know. That's an answer. But I should be ashamed of something. <laughs> After 80 years I mean I have things I ain't saying them on a podcast I just threw it out there to see what you'd say Well I mean I think we're on the same line on that one Okay that's fine We're moving to the next question I shoot, That was one of those trick questions It was a trick question yeah, I know. But I just thought you know I'd throw it out there Figured I'd give you a trick answer <laughs> What do you think of When you think of your mother I think of my mom was a beautiful lady, but not only on the outside, on the inside. Mommy, she helped me in every way possible. She, she helped uh, 
shipped all of us. One thing that my mom was really, really interested in my going back to school after I left Jackson State without getting getting my degree before I went in the military. And she stayed on me until I got that degree. She was happy about it. And it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. Why did you stay on me so hard about graduating in four years when you didn't graduate in four years? No, I didn't. I, uh, I should have graduated in 62, but I didn't graduate until 69. So why didn't you let me take my time? Well, it wasn't that I took my time. I mean, I was, you know, I was working and all this. But it was one of the funniest things is one of the young ladies that I was in school with, we were classmates when I first went there. And she came back when I was there in, in 68. And I luckily that day I had on a suit and tie. And she goes, hey, Larry, I didn't know you were teaching back at Jackson State. And I said, oh, no, I'm still a student. She said, a student? What the hell? <laughs> Ten years, professional student. I said, no, no. It takes some of us a little longer than others. Oh yeah, a little longer. I than needed, others. I needed that time to do, to do some of the things that I needed to do. Yeah, if I tried to say that to you, you would not have heard it at all. No, but, but you came out, you know, really good. I mean, it all worked out. It all worked out. Yeah. But still, like, if I tried to move off campus, you wouldn't even let me do that. Off campus. You had a good, you had a good place on campus. I did, but I wanted to move off campus so I could feel like an adult. You didn't stay on campus that much. You, you spent most of your time over at Howard. That's not the point. This is about you, not me. Let's move along, please. <laughs> Let's move along. You know, mommy didn't know how much time I spent at Howard until like literally last weekend, when like the New Orleans family was here. We were talking about HBCUs versus PWIs. Yeah. And mommy was like, I don't know. I think um, Andrea asked me. She was like, how much time did you spend at Howard? And I was like, I went to class at Maryland, and then I left like after school on Thursdays and stayed until Monday morning. Yeah, and I understand that you went to some classes at Howard. Yeah, I did. And the teachers let me stay. They were like, who are you and why are you here? And I was like, I go to a white school and I don't have any black professors. And they were like, fine, just stay. That was it. Okay. I didn't interrupt. I didn't take tests, though. Yeah. I just, you know. Thank you, Howard. Exactly. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> Thoughts of your father? My father, he was a cornerstone of our community. He was an educator. He was a teacher with an eighth grade education. And I really didn't know that he was a teacher until I got, I guess I was in high school and I used to meet a lot of people and they would go, oh, you Professor Lucas's son. And yeah. He was a really good teacher, and he was very influential in the whole educational system in our community and in the county. What's the most important thing your dad taught you? Not to be afraid. To hmm. look people in the eye when you talk to them, give them a firm handshake regardless to who they were. My dad, he was a serious, deep thinker. And he would, he would put his thoughts to use. As far as 
dealing with community people, or dealing with, good, with the good white folks. The good white folks. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I re- remember once we were when we went to the doctor's office. We always had to go in the back door, and it had steps that were too high. They were tilted and everything. And one day, we went to the doctor's office, and he said, uh, drive me around to the front. And I drove me around to the front. He got out, and he went up the steps, and he told me to open the front door. And we went through the front waiting room, and on back to the doctor's office. And when we got up, we came back out. And from then on, we went through that front door. Nobody said anything, but I never saw another white person go through that front door. Never, ever. Interesting. What did that teach you? That you can't just sell for whatever you think, think might be the norm that you should try and see what happens. Okay. What does it I mean? Think you, I think you did that with me. What do you mean? <laughs> are you about to bring up that watch? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was no, like, are no, you bringing no, up that? No, for the record, can you tell people what I... I didn't steal the watch. Tell people I asked for the watch. Uh, no, you didn't steal the watch. You asked for the watch. Thank you. I just want that on the record. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yes, continue with your thought. I'm sorry. You were saying you think mm-hmm. I got away with that with you. No, I mean, you would you would try me, and that which which was good, just to see how you know how far you could how far you could push me, and I, and I didn't have any problems with that. You know, I realized maybe somewhere in my mid thirties that you really only had two rules. Which was, get my lesson, so get good grades, Mm -hmm. and don't lie. Yeah. And pretty much I could have got away with anything else if I abided by those two. Yeah. Well, the lying part, I I guess I did. I did my share. and My mom took good care of me for lying, too. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, What does it mean to love? I don't know. I guess I'd have to use the, the, the term of uh, love is a thing you cannot explain, but it'll almost drive you insane. Well. And I've been crazy a few times. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone because either you or I may get in trouble. Right. What does it mean to hate? That was one thing that the term was never used in my household when I was growing up. I couldn't say that I hated somebody. Even white folks? Even white folks. And I just, I haven't used it. I've thought it. And there were probably a couple of people that I could put in the hate category. But I, 
I guess I let them stay right on the fringes. What was the last meaningful conversation you had? I guess with my 80 year old friend that was at my party because we talked today and we were just talking about, you know, growing up and how blessed we were to be where we are, to have accomplished what we accomplished. And really to be able to be mobile. Hmm. That's important. Yeah, oh, that's very important. What is a misunderstanding people have of you? Oh, yes, sometimes people don't think I'm as serious as I am about things. And sometimes I probably don't present it that way, but I do it intentionally. Hmm. What does that mean exactly? Well, sometimes if you come across too serious, you kind of don't get your real point across. Sometimes you can, it's, it's kind of not what you say, but the way you say it mm -hmm. and, and, and how you say it, mm -hmm. you know. Important qualities in a man. Lot. Top three. Number one, you have to believe in yourself. Number two, jealousy is not a good, it's not a good trait. Mm -hmm. And. You have to look in the mirror and know who you're seeing. You have to know who you are before other people can really, really get, get an idea of who you are and what you're about. Because I know somebody would probably say it's the way you carry yourself, but people carry themselves. That's, that's, you know, the person, you know, the way you walk, the way you talk, and all of that, that's, that's the individual, that's probably, uh, probably just an inherited trait. Or an affected one. Yeah. You can practice presentation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Never thought about it that way. It might be like the song, you know, beauty's only skin deep, mm -hmm. but there are just certain things that people, that people have that uh, you kind of see and you don't see. You're, I feel like you're talking in parables right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to the next question. What is your present state of mind? How would you describe your present state of mind? What do you mean? I don't know. It's just a question on this list. How would you describe your present state of mind? Are you in good spirits? Oh, I'm in good spirits. I'm at peace with myself. I'm happy with, with 
most of my accomplishments. Oh, and one of the things I'm really happy about is my lake. <laughs> you and this lake. Yeah. Does the lake still have catfish in it? It has some fish in it. Not fish. I've never, I've never been fishing, so I don't know. You've never been fishing? Well. Not in that lake. Oh, I think I went fishing once, but I didn't catch anything. Oh. Yeah. So what is this lake for? It's just for aesthetic purposes? It's something that I always wanted to do when I was growing up. And this little creek that we used to cross. And then somebody told me once that this would be a good... I think we talked about already the most difficult time in your life. You said that was Houston. I mean, there were some other difficult times, but that was... That was one that was a tough time for me. What's the most celebrated time in your life? My 80th birthday party. I had a good time. Was that their first big birthday party? No. no, I had one when I was 50. So it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Yeah, but that was, that was big. What did you do for 75? Nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess 80 is a bigger accomplishment. Well, I guess. I mean... But all my good friends came by... You know, and they were saying, why you didn't let people talk and say anything? But no, what if they wanted to give, like, a good speech to say, like, you know, Larry's amazing? I don't want to hear no speeches. We wanted to have a good time. We wanted to enjoy, enjoy the music, enjoy the bar, enjoy the other people that were here. And we had some great people here that you could talk to and learn something from. Agreed. What makes you, you? That's the last question. I guess I don't know anybody else to be. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about yourself that you want to share? Yeah. I'm a big fan of yours. I listen to all of your broadcasts. And some some of my friends call me and we talk about them. You talk about my podcast yeah. with your friends? And we laugh about them. You laugh about them. I knew you laughed about them. Uh, I didn't know you were having serious conversations about them. Yeah, we have some serious conversations about that girl crazy. <laughs> <laughs> have I ever said anything on the podcast that got you in trouble with your friends? No. Have I ever said anything on the podcast that you were like, she shouldn't have said that? Not really. You know, because I, I understand. I understand what you're doing. Yeah. I think I walk right up to the line. Yeah. But I don't really cross it. Yeah, Very I, often. I do. I, I understand what you're doing. There's a method to my madness. There's a message. There's a message. And I understand it. And I, I like what you're doing. You should start a podcast. That's not going to happen. I had to throw it out there. They've been asking forever. Like, your dad needs a podcast. No? No. You could talk about current events or politics or... I do. I talk to my friends about them. Your version all of the, the, time. the group chat. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. It's nice doing business with you. <laughs> he always says that. All right, I'm hitting end. Oh, Dad. I'm so happy when I can have him on the show. My regret is that I didn't video record this interview. My dad's faces during this interview, there were some questions. He was like, why are you asking me that shit? Like, hilarious. And then other times, I kept in the pauses so you could hear, I guess, the um, the thought that he was giving to the questions, he takes everything very, very seriously. But his facial expressions during some of those were really good. He actually teared up, I thought, at one question. I wasn't sure, but the eyes got a little sparkly.
But I'll leave you to guess which question that was. But yeah, thanks, Dad. Thanks again for coming on Ratchet and Respectable. I love you. Thank you. All right, so that's the episode for this week. I'm on a flight at 8.40 in the morning. I gotta be at the airport by 6.30. Make sure I don't miss this flight too. So yeah, so the next time you hear from me, I'll be in the final city of my odyssey and I should have a really great update about something that's about to happen. This is like probably like the thing. I shouldn't say it's the thing I was most looking forward to. I've been looking forward to different things in every city. But this thing is the reason I had to return to the West Coast. Had to happen. Otherwise, I'd be headed to Chicago. See this Bisa Butler exhibit. I'm totally going to Chicago this summer. Before the world shuts down. Again. All right, y'all. Be safe. Wear your mask. If you're not vaccinated, please... Please, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you to consider it. Not because I think I know better than you, but because infectious disease experts do and they think you should be vaccinated. That's all I'm saying. I don't know better. I'm just repeating what ER doctors and infectious disease experts say. Sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. I'm actually not. Okay, that's the episode for this week. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Bye.